jingle just never gets old. Welcome to Casa Live, everyone. A whole lot of familiar folks in chat already. Adrian, V8, Addy, Ramp, Peggy, welcome. Appreciate the Yohas in chat. There's not a lot of people out there that are going to know what that is, but I appreciate you guys. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's a it's a it's a club exhale. It's my community thing. We say yoha. It's like our our community greeting and salutations to each other. So I appreciate you guys here. You know, yohas are always welcome at Casa as well. Um, but welcome everyone to Casa live. Thank you guys and uh, and everyone for being here. Uh, replay crew, if you're turning tuning in on the replay right now, thank you for being here as well. We have a a whole mess of stuff to talk about. Really. Um, we have legislation. There's, I don't know, how many mountains of legislation right now? Feels like Mount Everest of, of awful bills uh, moving forward right now. Alex has a whole a whole slew of those to go through uh, during the show. And then, really, we're going to talk about... Thank you, Adrian. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm actually due for a trim, but we don't need to talk about my beard right now. Uh, what we are going to talk about, though, is nicotine pouches. And we've got some science, some things to talk about. There's a lot of politics going on around nicotine pouches right now. So we want to break down kind of what they are, um, how they're used. Um, both Alex and I use nicotine pouches. So we'd, we'd like to share some of our lived experience here with these products as well. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll just hop right into things. Alex. I feel like I've already taken the entire floor from you. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, where do you, where do you want to start with this this whole mess of whatever's going on? Well, I, I guess um, I'll get the legislation stuff out of the way first. I was kind of uh, hoping not, you were going to do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not going to run down everything. Um, we did that last time. Uh, that was all about legislation, but um, we'll say, uh, yeah, there are PMTA registry bills everywhere uh coast to coast um dozens of states now i think we're we're expecting to see if you haven't already seen it we're expecting to see um uh and so if you live in a state that's gotten an email from us please take action um this is a a, a bill the language is pretty much the same all across the country um basically requiring manufacturers and well, manufacturers to register with the state. Usually it's the attorney general or it's whichever agency handles tobacco regulations, uh, certifying that their products are authorized for sale by FDA. And that's either um, by, you know, some sort of court issued stay against a marketing denial order or, you know, straight up authorization, which if you're looking for products that have a straight up authorization, it's all on the FDA website. It's where we get into products that are still allowed on the market because they're going through the courts and challenging FDA's decision. Um, that's where it gets uh, kind of murky. And um, if anybody's interested in sort of the breakdown of who's supporting this, your convenience store associations typically are in support of this. Um, it benefits their members because they can, you know, look and see what they're actually able to sell, save money by not getting fined for selling it. Um, there are penalties for retailers who sell products that are not authorized. Um, I think it jumps from like 500 bucks for your first offense to $2,000. That can be per violation, things like per day. Those fines can really rack up. 
Um, and so there are a lot of people who, you know, I'm sure a lot of businesses, you know, they can't really afford those things. So um, the real risk here is that the independents are going to be, uh, you know, struggling or shut down. Um, and these are bills supported by tobacco companies, um, not all of the tobacco companies, but a couple of them for sure. Um, and uh, the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, in, despite the devastation that this would cause to the independent side of the industry, um, the uh, anti-nicotine groups are coming out against this, not because they're interested in saving your small business or even really saving lives. It's because these bills don't go far enough and they don't ban, they don't outright ban flavors. They just defer to FDA's decision, which is a de facto flavor ban. Um, but uh, so anyway, they're all over the place. We're seeing them. They're continuing to pop up in states that I did not expect to see them. Um, and uh, I've been just chipping away. I'd like to say it's more of a grind than anything else. Yeah. Uh, kind of grinding through this. But for folks who are in, um, I just updated this and I did put it in my notes. Um, New Hampshire has a hearing coming up next week um on a pmta registry bill um actually is it um did this get updated oh it's a work session so there is a uh they had a hearing last week on the sixth uh same committee and now it's moving to a subcommittee work session in commerce and consumer affairs um so we have our call to action up for new hampshire if you're in new hampshire go check it out we'll probably send out another email um, I still have a link for setting in testimony on this bill um, that may or may not work for this bill since the public hearing already happened, but I assume that there will be more. Um, and it is New Hampshire. It's the live free or die state. So uh, hopefully this gets shut down pretty quickly. Uh, and then we've got a couple of bills in, actually we have a few of these PMTA registry bills in Maryland um there is a hearing on the 20th for hb 1033 and there's two more they have um hearings coming up in march uh so we'll get to those i'm sure at some point uh there's a couple there's a few bills i'm, I'm a bit behind the the ball here on, on getting things out um but alaska has a 25 percent retail tax this is fb 89 uh, carried over from last year and it's gone from the Senate to the house. So, uh, committee hearings are happening. Um, it's a 25% retail tax. They cap nicotine content at 50 milligrams per milliliter, which I know I'm sure a lot of people don't, that doesn't really bother anybody, but in terms of the state setting nicotine caps, um, that's not something the state actually understands. So they shouldn't be doing that. Um, uh, Utah is also looking at a, uh, nicotine cap 3%, uh, or 24 milligrams for open system products. Uh, I don't believe there's a tax associated with that, but there's two bills, SB 61 and HB 106. Um, I don't have notes on the progress yet, but, um, these are things that are kind of moving and I'm getting caught up on them. Um, so anyway, we went through a whole lot of stuff on the last live stream. Um, and, uh, all, all that stuff is, uh, active and we're adding to it. Uh, so, um, yeah. And I don't want to waste everybody's time by running down the list. Yeah. 
if you're interested in like the really long format list of legislation, watch our previous episode because it's essentially 45 minutes of Alex going through um, just calls to action all over the place, what they are. What's I'll, I'll read I'll, I'll read through the states just in case anybody's here from any of these states you can go and check out our website so absolutely um definitely not in alphabetical order um we've got and these are not all pmta registry bills some of them are flavor bans or tax i know wisconsin has an indoor use ban uh is it yeah no yeah wisconsin yeah right yeah, yeah. um which i haven't gotten anything up for um, so Wisconsin and Rhode Island, Indiana, Washington, Virginia, Florida, Michigan, Vermont, Colorado, South Dakota, Missouri, Illinois, New Hampshire, Nebraska, Indiana, Alaska, Maryland, Utah, and Virginia. Um, did I already say Virginia? I did say Virginia. Virginia's got uh, two as a companion, one in the Senate, one in the House. Um, and I have a phone call from somebody who was asking about Virginia, and I need to return that. Uh, hopefully the explanation at the beginning here sort of clarified things. Uh, you know, this is not necessarily something we expect to be like overnight devastation. Um, and depending on what state you're in, you know, the, the authorities, authorities must, <laughs> might, may be uh, using some enforcement discretion. Um, for example, from what I understand, Alabama has had this law in effect for a year or two. And it seems to be business as usual. Um, so uh, it really depends on which state you're in, how overzealous, you know, the enforcement agency is about cracking down. Um, and it's, it's Alabama's got some handshake regulations that are sort of, that's just a miserable way to run a state, but um, neither here nor there. Um, so uh, that's the legislative run. And sorry. <laughs> That's a, you went you went full robot right at the end but no. i think we i think we got the the gist of it yeah. yeah um for anybody who may have missed uh that or if they're they're curious if there is an active call to action um that alex has up right now you can always head over to casa.org go to get involved um state and local and click on your state on the clicky map um and see if we have one up right now i mean one of the other great ways to find out is um all of these things uh are available on x aka or previously known as twitter um who uh kristen does a great job um getting things out out on social media across the board thank you kristen so uh pay attention to that if you're not on x um a lot of this also goes up on instagram whenever i see a new call to action go up on instagram i always share it right into my story um, and, and they go into the state pages on Facebook. So, and they go into the state, state pages Facebook. on Facebook as well. Yeah. So all across social media, if you guys are hip to using the socials, um, it's all out there as well, but I always just recommend to everybody, you know, if you're ever curious, if there's an active call to action for your state, just head over to casa.org, get involved, state and local, click on your state. That's, that's the easiest way, you know? Whenever anybody's like, hey, do I have a do I have something going on? I'm like, right there. Click your state. And check yeah. it regularly, you know, especially right now, because these bills are just popping up. It seems like Alex is, is putting out calls to action every few days right now. Um, so best way to stay on top of it for sure. All right. <laughs> I didn't do the bumper. We had no bumper for the rundown. It's okay. Do we need a bumper for pouches? Go for it. Kristen? 
Can we get a bumper for pouches? <laughs> I don't know which one to use. Is it... Yes. Awesome. That was perfect. I'm going to put up our grassroots AF banner um, to commemorate that and, and highlight that. That was, that was, that was just like we rehearsed just perfectly. Like we rehearsed. There was no rehearsal you guys. Um, But yeah, nicotine pouches, Alex, why are we talking about nicotine pouches right now? Well, I guess, was it a couple weeks ago or a a week ago? Um, our our senator uh, yeah. Chuck Schumer from love the, the guy the from the Empire State um, he the, the the sort of setup here is um, I, I I'm gonna mess up how people other people have talked about this but Chuck Schumer has sort of mastered the art of getting the media's attention and bringing bringing shining the spotlight on whatever pet issue he's involved with uh, and so he does this by way of Sunday afternoon press conference um and uh, so he held one of those and went on and on about how zen is the next new nicotine threat to your children and the flavors and all of that stuff um and uh as it turns out he is completely wrong yeah uh, and um we have some some charts and and survey data that's coming from you know the government showing that uh youth use of these products is incredibly low it has been incredibly low uh i think it's going to take a herculean effort to get kids interested in this in this product um and and no one wants to do that so i mean unless you know campaign and truth initiative and all the the regular suspects start actively promoting it to kids like they did with jewel and other products um, I would expect the youth use of these products to remain below 2% for forever. I don't know. I, don't, I hate using forever type framing, but um, somewhere between 2 and 5%, I think, would be about where this lands. Um, sure. Yeah. And I mean, if, you know, if we were to just go on kind of the, I don't know, the the benchmark for what used to be smoke-free and now I guess we've moved into the era of a nicotine-free society, which is just seems to be the new common goal. Um, you know, the, the old um, smoke-free society goal or country or world or what have you was always 5% or less. That was, that was the considered to be smoke-free. Um, and again, now that we've kind of moved away from actually worrying about um, the health and diseases and, and death caused by smoking. And now we're solely worried about nicotine. Um, even if we were to still use that 5% benchmark for pouches, uh, we're well below that already. Well below that. Um, so even though we have this, this beautifully branded and colored CASA chart in front of you, this is data um, from the National Youth Tobacco Survey and monitoring the future surveys as well, kind of combined here, just to take a look at U.S. teen uh, substance use. Again, this is past 30 days. So this is, does monitoring the future, I don't know for sure if monitoring the future uses the same, um, I guess, statistic here as the National Youth Tobacco Survey does, where you know current use is at least once in the last 30 days. That's a pretty universal current pretty use. Pretty universal. Is, is yeah. Once in the past 30 days for everybody, yeah. 
Um, so looking here, at least once in the last 30 days. So one time, bare minimum one time, and it counts for this. We're looking at nicotine pouches uh, and flavored nicotine vaping, both sitting at a, a, an astronomical 1.7%. And I say astronomical with as much sarcasm as I can possibly put behind it. Um, this is this is Schumer's. I don't know if he used the word epidemic or not, but this is Schumer's new cause to go to war with specifically Zin or nicotine pouches in general. One point seven percent. Now we do have another number. It's not up here on the chart. Um, but it also comes from the National Youth Tobacco Survey, uh, which is ever use, ever use for pouches is 2.3%, which is a, just a massive jump again uh, from <laughs> 1. 1.7, <laughs> 2.3% have it, have ever used it even once, you know, touched the gum and went, no, nope, not for me. That counts 2.7%, 2.3%, excuse me. I'm kind of shocked. I don't know. Has anybody used a like, you know, since 2019, there's been a 8,000% increase in youth use of nicotine powder. Have they not, not I'm, that I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Not that I'm currently hip to, you know, um, but I'm, I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll start seeing more numbers. Nick. I, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, outside it, of my house right now, Hang on. carry on. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of seeing, uh, you know, actual numbers, again, this is not something that is actual. There's no crisis here, um, and uh, this, and are, are there just I, there's no reason to expect any the numbers to change. Youth use of these products is incredibly low, and as I stated at the top, I, for the foreseeable future, I would expect it to stay between two and five percent. Um, I, I, I'm no, I'm not, you know, crunching anybody else's numbers, but historically youth use of smokeless tobacco and now, you know, just broadly oral nicotine or tobacco products is low. Um, and, you know, even though these are a bit more, I, I think user friendly is a, is a good way to say it. Um, it. It's still, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't check a lot of the rebellion boxes. Yeah. Um, you're not blowing huge clouds everywhere you're not you know you're not really able to demonstrate how you're sort of breaking the law or being a rebel yeah and there's no like cool thing to go with it right yeah like if that was ever part of the appeal to any uh you know underage person starting vaping that there was like a thing there was a techie thing right even that component is gone with pouches it's just a pouch. Yeah, there's no like, there's no cool factor. You just not really, you know, you're not even like, it's not even like oral tobacco, like a, you know, like a dip or a chew where you're like, spitting or something, which I don't know how that's cool. But maybe that appeals to some, some underage people is cool, like me, me spitting all over, you know, rebellious, spitting on the ground. But even that isn't a component here. Like there's, no. there's no, there's, I, there's no real appeal. It's, it, I mean, if you want to use nicotine and don't want anybody to know about it, nicotine pouches are probably the best way to do it. Uh, they're even more discreet than using the nicotine gum. Yeah. Uh, Cause you don't have to chew them. Um, so 
But yeah, there's there's some numbers, um, you know, behind Schumer's latest war that we're talking about here. Again, 1.7% for the past 30 days, at least one time in the past 30 days. Um, exponentially more youth have uh, got drunk, um, <laughs> interesting. consumed Great. flavored alcohol, or used cannabis. Um, yeah, and, or daily and, energy drinks slash shots. And to uh, I think you know echo some of the statements I've seen rolling by in chat. Um, you know, and the one that we featured up here, I forget who was Addy or somebody else, but um, but yeah, you know, uh, something you know, depending on the year or which way the wind blows, I, I think it's like three to five thousand teenagers die every year from alcohol related injuries or um, or whatnot. Yeah, um, and you know, I, I, I'm not going to do this comparison, like we should be, you know, banning alcohol. Like, no, the, the comparison is we learned our lesson from banning alcohol in the twenties. Um, and so we should be applying those lessons learned to pretty much all other drugs. Sure. Um, and it's, you know, which is not to say like, well, if we, you know, liberalize nicotine laws, then, uh, you know, we can expect to see three to 5,000 people dying every year. That's not, that's not what that means. It's more of, you know, those products are obviously dangerous. There is a legal regulated market for alcohol in some, in many States, cannabis, um, which doesn't really kill people. Um, and, uh, so, you know, in the interest of public safety, uh, and also in the interest of not inviting organized crime to come in and start selling these products, which they are, um, you know, the, the regulated legal market with, you know, shop owners with good intentions, that needs to be protected, that needs that needs to be established and all the details ironed out so that, you sure. know, consumers are going to be more interested in buying from, uh, you know, a, a regulated business as opposed to meeting somebody in a parking lot or buying online. Uh, from people where they don't know what they're getting. They don't know where that money's going. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it it's astonishing to me. I think I said this last week, you know, there was a hearing in Iowa and it was a, a PMTA registry bill. And uh, one of the, the supporters, one of the witnesses in support, I think was coming from the like grocers or, or C-Store Association, basically, you know, described the the hellscape that is California uh, around these these regulations and that they busted some shop and that there were cartel members involved and so on. And and it's just, you know, yeah, that's what you can expect from all of this prohibition. Uh, organized crime will step in and fill the vacuum created by these policies. Um, and that's that's not good for anybody. So, yeah, it's uh, it's you know, we have a long history um, of of substance prohibition in this country that demonstrates that, um, you know, regulating things out of um, a legal market really does nothing to lower demand. Absolutely not. And, you know, in the in the past 50 plus years of the war on drugs, demand has gone up even with harder punishments, harsher laws, increased incarceration rates. The demand for for drugs has increased through all of that. Um, and it's always, you know, I'm, I'm never like really surprised, but just the overall idea of that, that we still continue to beat this prohibition drum under the guise of, of it being a good thing for our society or that it's, 
it's useful or effective in any capacity, that whole idea still kind of astonishes me. And it shouldn't at this point, but it does. It just, you know, it's, it's remarkable. It's, um, it's just, it's very old Testament and it does, you know, it bothers, it bothers me. It doesn't astonish me. It bothers me because yeah, we live I in this world where we, we, you know, everybody has access to all kinds of information. We can read the research, we can read the outcomes. We can see that, you know, mass incarceration is the result of drugs prohibition. And you're going to see it, you know, to some extent um, with, with this, I, I don't think they're going to be locking up, you know, 15 year olds, um, but, you know, people are going to step in and start selling. And those are the folks who are going to get the fines and the jail time. Um, and some of them, maybe we want them in jails, but I don't think we don't really need to do this because we can have a legal regulated market that takes care of all this stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, in this era where we are talking about social justice, health equity, justice, you know, criminal justice reform, um, uh, going into prisons and making things more humane, all of these things um, to, to, to fall back on this just Old Testament way of approaching substance use uh, is, is really not, not helpful at all. And, Dan and again, you know, you, you mentioned um, alcohol earlier and how we, you know, we, we went through our, our alcohol prohibition in this country. Um, it, we learned from that. It was a horrible idea. Um, and since then, we've, you know, accepted that to some degree youth are going to use those products and that we should be putting our efforts into education and prevention. Um, and while if you, you know, it was, I don't know, 15, 17 years ago that I was in health class, uh, you know, dealing with the lessons of alcohol prohibition, while the main focus was abstinence, along with that education around alcohol, there was still, you know, uh, a, a sense of harm reduction. Um, you know, if you're going to consume this many drinks, have water in between, don't drink and drive, like things like that. That's, that I class? mean, that is, that is in, in, in of itself, um, harm reduction, like that's, you know, um, reducing your harm um, by, by moderation or, or whatnot, especially with water and things like that. Ways to be safe. Like, I remember lessons about like, making sure that you have a plan that you go with people that like things like this, like those, that was good education. Now, bear in mind, it always came with the while not drinking at all is the best thing. Like that was always kind of beat into you. There were good, solid key points to that. If you were going to, you know, use alcohol someday, why that approach can't be just, you know, across the board again, um, you know, frustrates me as well. Um, and I think that, you know, we've gone over how little, um, you know, money is really spent on prevention and education around nicotine and, and these products in schools across the country. Uh, it, it is uh, frustrating, um, to say the least, that we can't drive a lot of those, um, you know, key points home with our use, our, our youth about, yes, you know, uh, these products are illegal for you, but here are the facts <clears throat> about them. Speaking of, I think one of the things that we maybe didn't touch on, I don't know how much more it needs to be touched on, but, you know, Chuck Schumer's a little hissy fit in front of the media uh, is, is just sparked off lots of comments and people coming out of the woodwork, mostly on, you know, the political right. Um, and, uh, you know, from what I understand, you know, you have a lot of conservative bloggers and other folks who uh, are using Zinn. Uh, uh, or other nicotine pouches uh, as a way to increase their focus, 
Um, there is some research into the nootropic effects of nicotine. Um, and, you know, if you're an anti-tobacco person, perhaps uh, one of the efforts I think they've been putting a lot of uh, time into is uh, maintaining uh, the public misperception that there is no use case for nicotine. Um, but as, you know, people have been uh, blogging about and posting about in the wake of Chuck Schumer's statements, uh, it does help. Uh, and uh, I, I think, you know, thinking about doing this, this live stream, this topic today, um, you know, one of the things I, I think I remember saying this before, you know, we saw the tobacco free baseball legislation around the country uh, several years ago. Uh, and mainly that, you know, was, well, it broadly applied to all tobacco products. Um, but, you know, the, the push for that legislation was, you know, we don't want professional athletes modeling this risky behavior in front of kids and kids love baseball. So, um, you know, that, that, I guess that's enough to do it, but I would really, really like to see major league baseball come out and say, you can't use nicotine products especially not on the field because it's a performance enhancing drug. Um, that would be an interesting twist. And I think they could probably make that case. So all of that to say, um, you know, I think Chuck Schumer sort of inadvertently he's, he's over, turned over a rock here where people are coming out and saying, wait a second. No, I, this yeah. isn't just about getting high or having a good time. This is, there's some performance enhancement here and that's sure. why that's that's one reason why people like using nicotine. Yeah, yeah. Lindsey Stroud uh, does have a 50-state analysis of how little states spend on education and control. I, 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 I love I love that collection of work by Lindsey. I, I use that in any state where we submit testimony, um, if you can read it at all on their websites, um, there's always a section of sort of recommendations from CASA. And I always cite... Um, you know, her uh, individual state breakdowns. And I just sort of go back and check because most states, I mean, nearly all states do not meet that sort of CDC recommended threshold of, of spending um, master settlement money on uh, youth prevention for tobacco yeah. products. Um, and so, you know, the argument is, well, if the state believes that these policies actually work, then fully fund it. That's the challenge. If you are going to keep coming with this anti-tobacco, anti-nicotine policy, why should anyone think or believe that the state actually has any confidence in the policies that already exist? Because they don't fund them. They don't fund them. So what good is another law? Yeah. And not only not only do they, you know, you know, miss that that threshold or that recommendation from CDC. Like it's far from it, yeah. <laughs> like far, like way, way far away uh, from the recommended amount of of money that they should that, be spending. That's another thing. I mean, you know, how can the activists claim that these policies are working when they're so poorly funded? Yeah. It, it's it, and it, this hasn't changed. The, the the funding hasn't. I don't think it's gone up anywhere. I know that states like New Jersey. Um, I don't know if they've always spent zero percent on. Uh, you know, youth nicotine education or prevention. Um, but, you know, smoking prevalence dropped 
without states increasing funding to these programs. Yeah. Um, and and that, that that is something that, you know, we can, I think, lay at the feet of smoke free alternatives and young people. Oh, yeah, transitioning. Absolutely. So absolutely. Anywho. As much as, uh, you know, anti anti folks would like to just fall back again <laughs> on all of these glorious policies and education that has, you know, um, slowly trickled down youth use over the decades. Um, we've seen the biggest decline since the introduction of a lot of these these new smoke-free and yep. safer alternatives. Absolutely. Uh, so, so with all of that, what is all the fuss about? Let's talk a little bit of science. Now, um, Kristen is far better at this science than I am. Um, you know, she, she's fantastic and I'm, I'm subpar at best, but I'm going to do my best here to do, 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 pull up. I promise you guys, I'm going to make it there. I got to click a whole bunch, whole bunch of buttons first. Let's see. Oh, it's so small. Hang on there. Okay. So, uh, Kristen, if you wouldn't mind sharing this, uh, this British Dental Journal um, link in chat for everybody as well. This is, a uh, again, from the British Dental Journal. This is a study, nicotine pouches, a review for the dental team. Um, nicotine pouches are tobacco-free products that are becoming increasingly popular in the UK. So, again, this is, this is a UK thing, um, which obviously, um, you know, they have different teeth and mouths and you know, oral cavities than Americans do. So the science doesn't apply here, but um, they're held between the user's lip and gum to provide a source of nicotine. And again, this article kind of covers a lot of that. Some key points, uh, nicotine pouches are a tobacco-free product and they're becoming increasingly popular. Uh, nicotine pouches are likely to be substantially lower risk as compared to smoking tobacco. Uh, as every, just about, I should say just about, there's an asterisk there. Um, just about every smoke-free product is. Nicotine pouches may present another option in tobacco harm reduction and smoking cessation. Uh, the oral health effects from the use of this product are unknown, but likely to be in keeping with other orally administered nicotine products and localized gingival recession. That's a gingival. fun word. Gingival? 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 Gingival. Um, something like that. Recession. That's the recession of your gums from your that's your gum line recession um, might be seen. So I'm not going to go through this whole thing um, for folks who are curious kind of about what is, um, you know, in nicotine pouches. They generally contain artificial sweeteners rather than sugars. Uh, so they pose a lot of a lot lower risk there. Um, they uh, additives, other ingredients such as additives and flavorings are also at food grade. They're food grade standard. Most of what you'll find in a nicotine pouch is essentially the same things that you will find in nicotine gum, uh, just kind of in a in a in a powder <laughs> format. Uh, Alex had a, a a list of of you know some ingredients from one product specifically. Now, mind you, this is only one pouch, so this may differ slightly from one product to another but these are these are generally the ingredients across the board for most of them yeah so um not talking about brands here but um the ingredients in the pouch i'm using today are uh plant fiber water non-tobacco nicotine uh sodium chloride sodium bicarbonate uh xanthan gum 
flavorings, propylene glycol, glycol and sucralose. Um, and uh, I'm always curious about the synthetic nicotine being used in these products. Uh, I think that may, um, I don't know, it, it gets anyway, it, it's, it's, it's straight, relatively straightforward stuff. Yeah. Uh, and of course, using that, that sort of vegetable aggregate or crystalline, whatever they called it, uh, microcrystalline cellulose. Nice. Um, yummy. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's the, the advantages there are, you know, no, there's no brown stains on your teeth. Um, and I don't know if this is the point where we get into kind of our own, you know, experiences with using these products, but I can, I think pretty much back up everything that that little breakdown just said. Um, I typically park my pouch on this side of my mouth. And I guess a few months ago, I noticed that my gums are receding over that one tooth. Um, and it's important to point out on another brand's packaging, they give you instructions on how to use. And they say, you know, you can leave it in for it's up to 20 or 30 minutes, something like that. And I've noticed when I when I'm traveling or if I'm really focused on something and I leave a pouch in and it's not I'm not moving it around. It just stays in one place because I've kind of forgotten about it. And I'm obviously focused on the task at hand. Um my the inside of you know that gum and the inside of my lip will get kind of sore it feels a little raw uh and so i have to be more mindful of how long i'm keeping a pouch in or how frequently i'm using them um and those have really been the only issues uh and also compared to snus um you know i had uh i, I have i have these bouts of like overdoing midnight snacking every now and then and then going to sleep. And so I'll wake up the next morning with kind of a sour stomach. And when I was using snus all the time, uh, I always, I've always had, you know, some sort of nicotine pouch nearby. Um, but, uh, the snus would upset my stomach. It just, it felt, you know, kind of raw and burny. Um, and I would switch to nicotine pouches whenever I had, you know, kind of a sour stomach, uh, and that made a difference. So, and that even varies across brands. I've had some nicotine pouches that, you know, contribute to a sour stomach and others that don't. But sure. um, all of that to say, you know, again, like we're not nobody. Nobody's out here saying that this stuff is risk free. I mean, I know that those people do exist, but, you know, the serious conversation is there are risks with this stuff. Uh, there are, you know, there's an appropriate way to use any of these products, whether we're vaping or, or nicotine pouches, there's appropriate ways of using nicotine gum, you can do some damage to yourself using nicotine gum incorrectly. I know. Um, and so uh, the one thing that I keep wanting to say is nicotine pouches are arguably less risky than nicotine pouch, nicotine gum or the patches, um, in terms of, you know, people who have allergies to the adhesive that's used in the patches. Uh, all the jaw problems and the heartburn that I got from uh, nicotine gum. I don't get either of the, any of those things with the nicotine pouches. Um, and it, it's very, it's, I mean, it's dead simple to use. And hopefully people will continue having a choice of nicotine content. Um, I, some of them are, uh, I bought some when I was down in Georgia um, I bought a, a tin that was 12 milligrams. I, I could buy them for 15. 
uh, on down, you know, nine, six, three, whatever you're interested in. So it's the same kind of idea that, you know, the independent side of vaping had with all the, the, the different nicotine strengths um, that unsurprisingly you don't have, excuse me, that you don't have with the uh, products that are being authorized from incumbent tobacco companies um, because of the uh, so right, those were experiences. Um, I, I did switch to, to nicotine pouches recently because I can buy them right down the street and I enjoy them. I don't have to place, you know, large orders with Sweden to get things. Um, and, uh, and I switched completely to oral nicotine products because, uh, my heart seems to prefer the slow nicotine as opposed to the faster delivery. Um, sure. so there's, you know, there's some advantages there as well. And you, you use these products exclusively yeah. Um, as opposed to any other, um, you know, nicotine product out there. I use them um, kind of in combination, really. Um, when I use pouches, and, and I've, I know I've talked about this before on the show, um, but as somebody who works outside, goes from place to place, there are places that I go to work um, where there is no smoking, there's no vaping. Um, if I'm doing work at like a school or something like that, uh, these products are great because they're discreet. You know, I'm not chucking clouds outside or something like that, where all the youths are going to see me. And um, these products are, are, are great for me in those instances. Or if, you know, I'm at the movie theater with my kids or something like that, you know, I can discreetly use these products. I have not experienced the same things as Alex has as far as um, gingival recession. Um, I really, that's a, that's a fun, but tough word for me. Let's say receding gum lines. Yeah, I haven't I haven't experienced anything uh, like that with the pouches that I use. Um, you know, I, some people may be more susceptible. Uh, it could have something to do with hydration. I drink a metric f ton of water every day, um, so that you know there might be a whole lot of things going on there as well. Um, but the only thing that I've ever experienced with nicotine pouches uh, that I would I guess kind of view negatively is if I go uh, an extended amount of time without using them, they give me the hiccups on the first one. Hmm. Or what I refer to as the nickups. Yeah. Because it's just like a nicotine hiccup. You know, it kind of hits your gut and your gut kind of goes, oh, okay. And I'll get the hiccups for a few minutes. Um, but that's, it's easy I'll, to remedy that. And then that's... I'll, I'll get that. I'll get that sometimes if I, if I use one too soon after eating or, you know, consuming something really flavorful. Sure. Um, but yeah, I don't, don't get that so much anymore. But um, otherwise, yeah, that's my general ex experience with, with nicotine pouches uh, for me personally has been extremely positive. I find them incredibly useful in places where, you know, I can't go vape. Uh, for me personally, they satisfy nicotine cravings. They don't necessarily satisfy all of the other, um, you know, uh, stimuli and things like oral fixation or... Um, you know, hand to mouth, all the things that I, you know, um, rely on vaping to satisfy. They don't say it doesn't satisfy those needs for me, but they, they satisfy the nicotine craving for me. So um, yeah, I wanted, I thought it was good that Alex and I have had similar, but two kind of different experiences with these products. And, and we just kind of wanted to share that. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know if we're, I mean, we, I think we've wrapped up our, our, individual experiences unless i'm cutting you off 
no, no, that's that's really my my general experience with them has been positive. So something I think worth noting, and and regrettably, I I haven't gone through all of this PMTA registry legislation with a fine tooth comb to make this point, but um, in New York, we have sort of this perennial bill that that keeps coming back to to ban flavors and nicotine pouches. Um, it, it never really goes anywhere again because there is no youth crisis with these products. Um, and it also pokes holes in the you know claims that flavors are driving uh, youth experimentation with with nicotine. Um, if that were true, they would be going for any any nicotine product in a flavor. Um, and they're not. Um, and uh, the other so the the, the registry bills, um, even though they're pretty much the same, they come from the same kind of boilerplate, you know, pre-written bills that industry shops around. Um, they may be broad, broadly worded to, uh, to capture nicotine pouches as well. So if you are a fan of nicotine pouches, PMTA registry bills need to be opposed by you as well. Um, I, I know it seems in a lot of states they're specifically going after vapor products, um, but as far as we know, I, I don't think there are any applications pending with FDA for PMTA um, for nicotine pouches. Nothing has gotten authorization. Uh, the only thing that's close is Swedish Snus from Swedish Match, which is now owned by PMI, um, General Snus, um, that has been authorized in two flavors that are not tobacco, mint and wintergreen. Um, and they received modified risk orders, which means they can very narrowly market these products as safer than smoking or less harmful than smoking. Um, and uh, sadly, you know, Swedish Match's marketing plan is, is targeting existing Swedish Match customers, um, which Swedish Match doesn't sell cigarettes. They sell, they did sell or do, I don't know if they still sell cigars. I, I, White I, Owl was I, I, my inclination is no. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't want to say for sure whether they do or not. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I, I seem to remember hearing something about that getting spun off or they just don't they don't sell White Owl anymore. Um, so they're not reaching people who are using combustible products, um, but they are allowed to market snus, which has actual tobacco leaf in it um, as modified risk. Switching completely to snus, switching completely. Where's that banner? We need that banner. Switching completely. Uh, using an e-cigarette every day or something like that. You can take that statement and apply it to nicotine pouches. Using an e-cigarette or any kind of smoke-free nicotine product daily can significantly increase your chances of quitting smoking. So, um, so yeah, um, I feel yeah. Like I know we're we're coming up on the hour here. I had one other thing that I was I was gonna you know uh, at least just bring up. Um, this is kind of a, a longer study here, so I won't um, I won't go through all this. Uh, and I didn't go through all the last one. There'll be links available, uh, not only in the comments, um, but in the description for this video as well to both of these for people to read through for themselves. But this talks about oral mucosal lesions that are commonly found in Swedish smokeless tobacco. Snus, as, as Alex was just talking about, where the plate, the pouch is placed. These lesions are reversible, um, you know, when people stop um, or, or take a break uh, in that spot where um, you're placing them, um, which is something that, you know, we've kind of talked about with people. One of the biggest risks in, in any oral um, tobacco use is, is you know, kind of damage to that soft tissue. 
And just one of the best ways to 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 alleviate that is to allow those those places time to heal and switching where you use um, your oral nicotine products. But um, this one compares uh, snus to tobacco-free nicotine pouches um, in a, in a number of different ways. Um, but one of the things um, that kind of stood out stood out to me um, was this right here. Um, Results showed significantly increased production of pro-inflammatory cytokines in cells exposed to, and this is again in vitro, I don't know if I said that before, um, to regular snus compared to untreated or cells exposed to the non-tobacco-based nicotine products. Um, so essentially, these products may marginally at best, most likely, be even, again, further of a reduced risk. Alex and I, before the show, were kind of talking about TSNAs and tyrosines, um, which are tobacco-specific nitrosamines. You will still find those, even though they're at lower levels. They do still exist in snus because it is the actual plant material. It is actual tobacco leaf. Tobacco-free nicotine pouches obviously kind of remove that from the equation. Um, and then if they are using sy synthetic nicotine and not tobacco-derived nicotine, then even they don't even ex exist in that product. Um, so for folks, you know, I, I think one of the things I wanted to highlight here is I think, and this is just my personal opinion based on everything that we've read and that we've gone through um, and everything in our information library, and we're kind of always scouring for science around these products. Um, they're they're pretty close, really, in the grand scheme of the risks to your health. Um, snus and nicotine or tobacco-free nicotine pouches, compared to smoking, at least uh, the differences in risk between them are negligible, marginal at best. Um, but for folks out there, and I know I know one of the biggest reasons for switching to vaping, at least for a lot of folks, was to completely remove tobacco, the leaf, from their lives. Um, and maybe that's just kind of a personal thing, a moral thing, what have you. These products also kind of serve those individuals as well, too, who may just want to, you know, if you dip and you chew or something like that, or even if you use snus and you say, you know, regardless of, of how negligible those risks, the differences in those risks may be, maybe you're someone who wants to just remove tobacco from your life completely, like actual leaf tobacco. This might be an option for you as well for that reason. So, yeah, science. Science and choice, right? Tools in the toolbox. It's one of the things I always go back to with any of these products is, um, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why Alex and I both shared our lived experience also for the you know, purpose of sharing it um, is that there are, there are different products out there and they affect people differently. One thing may work for you. One thing may work for your friend. Um, but Kasa's main goal is to keep as many of these products available to as many people as humanly possible, or at least Americans as possible that we can, because it's tools in the toolbox. Um, and what what works for you works for you. And I think that's I think that's the biggest the biggest thing here. Yeah. People and deserve I, a right to choose and use what works for them. And if these products much, work for you, as as much as awesome. it, as much as it pains me to to quote an FDA campaign. Um, but it is one of the good ones. Uh, every try counts and, yeah. uh, getting, you know, ha having enough opportunities oh. for people out there, um, to try is, as you said, that's our goal. So yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tools in the toolbox, Alex. We just need, uh, you know, I don't know, legislators to like the toolbox as much as we do. Yeah, you know, I, I hope, uh, you know, we're not we're not going to wade into the politics of all of this. But, you know, this is like this could be like a lot of other issues where, you know, the, the solution exists. Uh, we've been watching it happen since 2008. Uh, and um you know unfortunately this is one of those issues where uh you know a lawmaker can just you know make some hay off of it like chuck schumer did uh and they 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 think that they're you know there's some political capital there um and uh you know hopefully this doesn't become that i know that in the early days there was a bit of an effort to you know, pit one side against the other and, you know, get voters to come over and, and, you know, people who are on the fence or, you know, center, whatever, um, you know, are going to be more prone to, to take the side of, of, you know, more freedom or preserving freedoms, uh, especially for something like this. But, you know, at, at some point, this, this stops being, you know, a political wedge, uh, and, uh, and people can just have a conversation about, we can debate the merits of, of tobacco harm reduction without, you know, trying to pit one side against the other. And, um, so I long for that day. Yeah. But it, yeah, it could be one of those issues, you know, like the border yeah. where, you know, n- neither side wants to fix it because they can beat the other up, you know, come sure. election year. Sure. And, um, that's not. I don't think that's we I know we know that's not helping anybody. So no, no, <laughs> no, unfortunately, it is not. Um, but yeah, nicotine pouches and Schumer's, I don't know. Unprecedented new war against them. <laughs> I uh, I still wish I could find the tweet. I know I had, I had mentioned this before or post on X, a.k.a. Twitter. I still struggle calling it X. I just want to call it Twitter. You know, <laughs> just want to. I just want to rebel against Elon a little bit. Um, but uh, and if if somebody sees this, share it my way because I think it was just pure gold. It was it was something along the lines of like, "Hey Chuck, you forgot to create an epidemic first. You know, and again, going back to the numbers, you know, nothing supports um, you know, any of the statements that he made around these products. Specifically, Zinn was his his target, um, which just feels you know. Like, like the next jewel, you know, I mean, maybe out, you know, without the, the Silicon Valley. Um, yeah. I want to use the word that I want to use here, you know, so they're, 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 the blank. they're, they're, they're not going to make the same mistakes. I, I feel pretty confident in saying that. I mean, it is Swedish match was acquired by PMI and PMI sure. as people should know, have, a lot of experience in this issue. Um, and so, you know, the marketing has been pretty, pretty bare bones. Uh, you have to opt in to get marketing from Swedish match. Um, and just like what we were talking about with Icos in Italy, um, you know, they know to not aggressively promote these products. They, the, the target market here is people who smoke and that's where, you know, companies running these, that's, and you don't have to go beyond that. Um, and so I, I don't see the same mistakes being made and, and I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any, at this point, there's no real reason to believe that this is going to blow up. Um, yeah. but you know, 
stranger things have happened. This is true. <laughs> the one thing I've learned in all this is that I just never say never. You yeah. know, I just never say never. Um, so I think all of this is is you know important and something that obviously we're going to be keeping our eyes on. I encourage other people keep their eyes on as well. And if you've ever been on the fence about using these products, I hope some of the information uh, and experiences that we shared here today and some of the folks in chat have shared here today um, that uh, that you feel better about these products or, or considering using or using these products. Um, so, yeah, I think that was uh, I think that was a solid conversation about pouches, Alex. I think we did a great job. Uh, and again, uh, at the beginning of the show, Alex ran through a whole bunch of legislation that's going on all across the country. Um, my best advice to everybody, if you really want the long, drawn out uh, legislative rundown, tune into last week, two weeks of show, two weeks ago, our previous show. Uh, check it out because there's just like 45 minutes of of legislative rundown from Alex. Um, and yeah, head over to Casa.org, get involved, state and local, click on your state on the clicky map. Uh, and you'll see if Alex has, uh, you know, posted any updates or calls to action that he's been cranking out, churning out recently, which just feels like every day there's a new one right now. I will. Um, I, I do want to before we get into the closing spiel, uh, one one bill that I left out um, is in Guam. Uh, wow. Guam is entertaining a flavor ban right now. And if you live there uh, and I need to reach out to our members there, um, they are accepting written testimony on the bill until the 16th of February. Um, they had a hearing, they had like a four and a half hour long public hearing on this, and I have not watched all of it. Um, but I'm, I'm putting the finishing touches on an engagement to get out to our members there. Um, and that should give them, you know, at least a few days to write their comments. Um, but, uh, it's bill, I think two, two, nine dash 37. Uh, and one of the really interesting bits that came out of the um the committee hearing was uh you know when all of this prohibition that we're talking about even in pmta registry bills and so on um government agencies school districts and and any other official business type of organization um government uh have to follow federal rules when disposing of these products that's what they have to do they have to destroy the the, the products that they seize that's that's going to cost money um, because nicotine is considered a hazardous substance, not to mention yeah. the batteries uh, and, and all of the all of the stuff that goes into a vape product um, or or even nicotine pouches. Uh, and so uh, what we've seen around the country is these PMTA registry bills are sort of unfunded mandates, um, which weakens the ability of the state to actually enforce these rules. Um, but that could be a good thing. I'm not a big fan of handshake agreements, um, but uh, that's sort of the case in Guam. And it was very interesting to watch uh, uh, one of the lawmakers who is obviously a supporter of, of the flavor ban um, kind of berating the guy from you know Guam's sort of customs agency uh, and asking for more funding to do this. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to get that in there in case we do have anybody from Guam watching. Um, I know there's a massive time difference, but um, look for that if you live in Guam. And with that, I think we can wrap things up. Going to wrap it up with Guam. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, everybody, thank you for tuning in uh, this week to Kitsaw Live. We appreciate all of you here in chat right now, and we appreciate all of you uh, who stuck around for the replay and tuned in as well. Please 
like, share, subscribe, all the things wherever you're tuning into this. Um, and if you're on Facebook, share it all over the place. If you're on X, share it all over the place. Uh, same with YouTube, share it all over the place. You know, uh, post it in your your forums, post it in your chats, post it in your discords, text it to random people. Um, do all the things. Get out there and, and spread the good word. Remember that we are all Kasa. This is a collaborative effort of all of us doing this work. Everybody doing this work together. That's what makes it so special. Um, while you're over on the Facebook, if you're hip to Facebook, I'm not, but I know millions of people are, uh, get on those state pages as well. Not only is it a great place for you to stay up to date with what's going on in your state, it's a great way for you to contribute to uh, what's going on in your state as well. If you get a, a heads up or you find out about something that's happening locally, uh, post there. It's a great way for us to possibly put something out um, or to, you know, kind of um, amplify what's happening uh, in some of the smaller, more local municipalities. Um, otherwise, over on Kasa.org, if you're not a member, you're doing everything wrong. It's absolutely free, uh, and we promise not to just fill your inbox with all sorts of stuff you don't need to know, just what you need to know and the best ways to get involved. Uh, over on Kasa.org, you can also donate. You can, uh, you can donate over in Kasa.org to help us continue to do all the things that we do. And while you're there as well, if you're like, you know what? I really want to give Kasa some money, but I also I want something cool in return for me, for this guy. You can check out our merch shop. Uh, awesome designs from our president, Danielle Jones. Uh, we've got all sorts of slick, cool T-shirts. Uh, I did a stream recently on my own where I pulled them all up and showed everybody the cool T-shirts that we have on the site. Uh, so check all that out as well. What am I missing? What am I missing here in the spiel? If you're hip you. to podcasts, uh, we have these episodes uh, on all the places that you listen to podcasts. At the end of these streams, I pull the audio, I rip the audio file from this stream, and I post it all over the place so you can check out that as well. I think I think that's it. That's it. I will add one thing, which is, um, first of all, uh, I went on uh, Grim Green, Grim Green's vlog, I think a couple weeks ago. The vlog. The vlog. The uh, vlog. I had yeah. a good conversation with Nick about all the things. Um, but uh, I do want to say uh, thank you to, to Nick. I, I'm going to write this down. But um, one of the things that came of that was we had a, 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 a significant increase a, a noticeable increase in small recurring monthly donations um those are very helpful uh it's something that we can we can depend on and uh for you it's just you know you can set it and forget it pick an amount that works for you five bucks a month two bucks a month whatever it is um it helps us out tremendously if we had everybody who's a member donating a dollar a month um, we'd be flush with cash and we'd be hiring lobbyists all over the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. One dollar so, a month. Yeah. Just, just from the existing membership. So, mm -hmm. um, that really helps a lot. Uh, please consider the small recurring monthly donation if you are going to donate. Absolutely. Absolutely. One-time donations are, are also great. You know, if it's not feasible for you to set up something long-term like that, one-time donations, uh, we absolutely appreciate like Alex said, those those small uh, reoccurring donations, it's like the bread and butter of what of what really funds us here. So thank you, everybody. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate, again, everybody being here, everybody tuning in, everybody sharing uh, and putting putting in the work with everybody else fighting the good fight here. I think that's going to do it. 
I think that's where we're going to wrap this show up. Everybody, thank you one last time. Uh, we will be back two weeks. Two weeks from now, we will be back. Uh, so keep your eyes and ears out on social media for uh, what to expect. But two weeks from now, we will be back. Same time, same places, all over the place. Be excellent to each other. Be excellent to yourselves. We will see you all. Thank you.